Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Rag, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're talking about returning to monkey. I don't know why I say monkey. <laughs> this it week reminds we're... me of, um, of the, the 1970s TV series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and unusually, because of the lockdown, uh, we are recording this remotely. Nick, what the? I, I, I don't know what this is about. Something to do with the internet in, returning to monkey. What, what are we talking about? Um, some meme. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of these meme things. Um. Yes, there's been a, a meme doing the rounds for the last uh, couple of months, uh, which which variations on the theme of uh, reject modernity, return to monkey, um, right. more or less saying that the modern world is has gone horribly wrong, and uh, you know it's time to to go back to primitivism. But it, by itself, I don't think this would be uh, a big deal. But it does tie in with quite a lot of trends that I've seen. I think, uh, you know, people's skepticism about about aspects of the way that we live today and, um, uh, you know, a desire to to and also a kind of interest, I think, in hunter gathering um, as a way of life and the the ways that farming has has uh, sort of ruined the human race. I think this is one of the core themes of Sapiens, which is a mm. book by Harari, which is I thought was a great book. I mean, but but the, the is it, that's been you know cited by quite a few um, famous people as as a sort of influential book on the way that they think. I've got a quote here, which I think sums it up quite nicely. Uh, the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. They greatly increased the life expectancy of those of us who live in advanced countries, but they've destabilized society, have made life unfulfilling, have subjected human beings to indignities, have led to widespread physiological, psychological suffering and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world. <clears throat> Reasonable viewpoint. It's the viewpoint of, uh, of a man by the name of Theodore Kaczynski. Who you might know better as the Unabomber, who um, who really did try to, in some sense, return to monkey. Now he was a murderer, so I don't say that he's particularly, uh, you know, someone we should um, we should praise particularly. But he wrote uh, he wrote a, a kind of manifesto, the Unabomber manifesto, industrial society and its future, published in 1995, and and that. Um, actually, something that for, for someone who who I think people assumed were, was were the sort of rantings of a loon is remarkably coherent, and I think in some ways uh, appears to be getting more true aspects of it. You know, as we become more and more intertwined in uh, you know technology with the way that we live our lives. So um, that's it. Is it the case? Has it? Have we all gone too far? Is modernity wrong? Is it time to turn back the clock and embrace the hunter gatherer way of life? Okay, so I, I like this because at least about five times a day, I find myself ranting to my family how this, you know, I'm fed up with all this because I've lost my mobile phone or whatever and, and getting fed up with people pinging me, you know, the, the trappings of, of modern life and that I want to go off and move to rural Wales. Mm. God knows why. Yeah. You wouldn't be alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chris, go for it. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the fact that we're all uh, here and able to um, to talk about this uh, is 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 a virtue of the fact that um, our life expectancy is no longer 33, for example, as it was during the uh, the Paleolithic era. So, um, 
So uh, that's not an uncontroversial claim, by the way. Well, no, that is true. Um, and in fact, the, um, uh, the Paleolithic era in particular, for some reason, uh, seems to have been, uh, you know, led to, to greater life expectancy than, than later, later periods. So, yes, it is, it is not straightforward. But I dare say our lives, uh, it's probably uncontroversial to say that our lives are f- full of less hardship than they were yeah. in the Paleolithic. I know that, that's controversial and, and, and probably, as well. Probably two, of, two out of four of us would, be, would never have made it out of infancy as well. Uh, from I, I, I'd have died several times from infections if it yeah. hadn't been for antibiotics. But no, what you said, Chris, is con- that is controversial. I want to. Re- I think we'll want to return to that. The health health uh, implications of modern life. I thought, Chris, you were going to go in a different direction. The fact that we're all talking to each other remotely and we're all at different ends of the country. Well, that, um, that, that's true. Yes, te- technologically. But I was, in- I was slightly surprised, Chris, as the, the the representative from antiquity, to be so surprising of the arch modernist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not anti technology or advancement by by no by no means but i i think there there is definitely this this there's a naive romanticism of of uh primitive you know primitive a uh, primitive lifestyle uh and and particularly the thing that annoys me is not whether or not it's better for us you know and things like the paleo diet uh you know and and whether Actually, that was the diet that um, Paleolithic humans would have uh, would have consumed, uh, and no, you know, not to mention the fact that food, you know, was obviously at times very difficult to to come by. What do you mean? It um, literally grows on trees. Literally grows on trees, provided uh, you know you haven't just had a, a massive uh, a volcanic explosion, or um, or indeed it hasn't been um, uh, subjected to drought or whatever it might be. Um, but an- anyway. <clears throat> Uh, th- my objection really is not about whether or not this lifestyle is is better f- for for you. The thing that really gets my goat, I think, is the notion that somehow it was more morally pure. That's the bit. That's the bit that that annoys me. The this this sort of idea that somehow humanity has moved away from this natural balance um, and you know c- kind of. Um, that it has become more and more rapacious, and that this is this is um, this is mo- you know that modernity is morally corrupting. That's the thing that that uh, that that particularly gets my goat. Okay, Peter, where do you um, sit well, on this I, one? I, I, I share Chris's feelings on it. I've, I have a very deep suspicion, and uh, so I, I I really don't like the the this notion around like. Um, for example, whole foods and the idea that natural natural things are inherently better or morally better than uh, non-natural things. I think that's a very dangerous sort of uh, uh, crude, naive logic that gets used um, to cite. Well, and the anti-GM people often cite this as a sort of it must be better because it's natural. Well, well, and anti-vaxxers as well. For- yeah, and anti-vaxxers. I, I, it's just it's not that's not the case. You know, there's a lot of a lot of technologies which are, you know, just just manifestly better um, than not having that technology, and these and and, and uh, agriculture is agriculture is one advanced agriculture that we have now is one, and you know genetically modified food is not 
is potentially is, you know is, is one as well so the idea that just because it's inherently natural um is a is, is both is a, is a fallacy to start with because nothing is you know the food the natural food that you eat has been cultivated it's not naturally in, out in yeah, the wild. But, that, but i think i think the point that a lot of these um, modernity skeptics monkey people would say is that yes that's where it's all gone wrong is since the invention of farming, which is only the last 10% or so of human existence, you know, as far as we're aware, if not less. But so I just want to address some of these alleged facts about hunter-gatherer lifestyles. I'm not, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to die in a ditch over any of these, but they're, they're just claims that I've seen, you know, academics make is that uh, actually um, life expectancy wasn't significantly lower. Child mortality was right. Children were much more likely to die, more likely to die in childbirth, more likely to die at a young age. That's um, uncontroversially true. You can tell that from, you know, the skeletons and things. Um, but some of the other, so, I mean, in terms of health, um, and diet. Diet was much more varied uh, in uh, hunter-gatherer um, uh, among hunter-gatherers, and you can tell that by looking at you know middens, the kind of you know leftover foods and seeds that were in you know people's waste pits and that kind of thing. Um, there, uh, people did more physical exercise uh, were healthier you know they had to but yes they they did do more physical exercise than a, the more sedentary lifestyle of a farmer um and but had more free time at the same time so i mean the farming lifestyle is quite hard work compared to being a hunter-gatherer um actually you know when you look at uh, the the lifestyles of of the uncontacted peoples now so far as we can make inferences about that diseases pandemics right the like the one we've got now they have all, almost all, emerged from the fact that we are in such close proximity to animals. Our vulnerability to famines is is higher because we're dependent on a few staple crops than hunter-gatherer bands who would simply, you know, uh, face a migration to somewhere where there wasn't, you know, a famine or a drought. Um, I, 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 don't, I think we should make life hard for ourselves, at the very least, by saying, well, actually, maybe it isn't all that you know, the modern lifestyle. We think it's easier, but look at what people do. They spend, they, people spend all day in offices, in jobs, working, you know, 10 hours for people they don't know, producing things that they have no really real contact with. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a particularly good bargain. No, no. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I accept that, um, that modern, modern life has difficulties, um, but things like, food security and 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 predictability um are obviously very very important in terms i mean a lot there's a lot that gets said about the environmental impact of um of our modern lifestyle um but if you look at at humanity you know you know there's um there's a period where um humanity only exists in in africa and they've you know a lot of studies have shown that um sized biased extinction in Africa far outstrips the rest of the world at, at the time. Uh, and that if you look at, um, if you look at the average African is that, mammal, is that us hunting stuff? That's us hunting stuff. Right. Yeah. Out, out of, out of existence, you know, so this notion that we were somehow lived in, in, in balance with our, uh, environment, um, is is not true and, yeah, and woolly mammoths, American hold megafauna. Hold on, you're, you're but right. I yeah. think and, well, deforestation of much of northern Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that's what Nick was talking about because I think he raised some interesting points there, and you've expressed them way better than I can. But um, 
it was quite convincing what you say essentially like we our lot maybe wasn't quite as bad as we thought back in you know um in primitive times during the paleolithic i mean i think i think so to nick nick was so nick i think nick was making a distinction between um like technology being bad and like modern life being bad so i think i would agree insofar as that i think in modern life we've got it pretty good you know you, you're not gonna you're probably not gonna die in a, as a child or in childbirth you're probably going to live to a reasonable age you've got shelter you've got food i think i where i would agree with nick is that we perhaps squander what we have so we have we we've we've the modern world the people the jobs that people do the 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 way that people live are they're, they're they're bound by sort of very historical um precedent rather than if we ripped everything up and said right we'll keep all the technology but we're not going to have banks we're not going to have rich people or poor people we're not going to have anything and we just redesign society from scratch then potentially we could do a lot better we could be happier we could be we could be more fulfilled not doing designing society from scratch hasn't got a very good track record no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, i'm not saying that we we as humans could actually do it but if it could be done so if we could put that in the hands of some hyper intelligent alien race say just tell us what we need to do to be happier and more fulfilled i think w the technology would allow us to do that much more so than had we you know without it yeah, yeah. i mean, yeah. i i, I I feel like um, that, you know, if, if what we can't do is we can't get rid of the 7 billion people we happen to have, have generated mm. through this, this form of, of, you know, and by one measure of success, our um, proliferation, you know, clearly what we have been doing recently has been very good for, for that, right? You know, there are a lot more people than, than there were. And that's partly, you know, just um, uh, a sort of population increase process that could have happened with other lifestyles but um it's obviously accelerated uh, uh you know fairly rapidly and it, it, I, i'm just trying to envisage what a paleolithic society would look like with seven billion people roaming around the planet and how pleasant that would be for everybody yeah i think uh, the in, genie is that's that's the thing the genie is out of the box right <laughs> is that the right the right metaphor but i mean the, the point is that we we uh we we can't we simply cannot because we we just you know you need the debt in order to feed all the people on the planet for one thing you need a density of um food production which is just simply not possible without farming um but i think this goes you know we we, we did a we've done i think one or two podcasts about Derek parfit and and um, his discussion of the mere edition paradox which you know is to do with essentially saying is it better to have you know seven billion people who are sort of 10 percent happy or would it would it be better to have sort of a hundred thousand people who are 100 percent happy um but i mean honestly there's no kind of obvious answer to that but uh but but i i i think i want to think about drill into this idea of of kind of happiness and the type of happiness we have because i think that we you know we clearly have a lot of our material wants satisfied mm. there's no doubt about that but I've got a quote here. Well, it's a thought experiment about thinking about a case of a man who can have anything he wants just by wishing for it, right? Such a man has power, but he will develop serious psychological problems. At first, he'll have a lot of fun, but by and by, he will become acutely bored and demoralized. Eventually, he may become clinically depressed. History shows that leisured aristocracies tend to become decadent. It does feel a bit like that. I must say that sounds it's like sorry, Christmas every day. That's uh, that's Mr. Theodore Kaczynski, better known as the Unabomber. But the um, uh, it, but I think that touches on an important 
point, which I think a lot of people, that's, that is something that a lot of people complain about is the fact that, you know, without a meaningful goals, without a meaningful sense of struggle, um, you know, going and working in a, in a, in a bank for, to, to produce something you have no meaningful connection to, um, satisfies all of the things you think you want, but it doesn't give you what you really want, which is the need to struggle. I, I just one analogy yeah, or one example. I, when I asked my daughter, who's, who's, um, who's nine, what, uh, whether or not we should, uh, you know, return to monkey. She said, well, the thing is that then she'd miss, uh, she'd really miss playing Minecraft. And, and it occurred to me that Minecraft is a simulation of a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Minecraft is literally giving <laughs> us a hunter-gatherer lifestyle that modern modern life is depriving us of. Mm. So life would be Minecraft if we yeah, returned. I if think we were very played. profound. I think, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, you think, or, when you play board games or computer games or, or a lot of these, they're just simulating some kind of struggle, some kind of adversity that you're trying to overcome either against the game or against your opponents yeah but i i don't i don't see that there's any more inherent struggle in wandering around and trying to find the right berries or catch a you know a deer in the in the grasslands than there is necessarily to building up a business and out competing your your competitors or climbing uh you know get, getting a promotion at, at work or indeed you know competing in sport or whatever it might be i i don't see that they're inherently more satisfying they're tied that i mean you could argue if you're sat around in in this this mythical bountiful um you know paleolithic world that existed where you know the garden of eden um what what happened in the garden of eden well they got bored and they um they got corrupt so if it was so if it was so great then the same corrupting forces would would be present if it were easy to get food and you know there were a bit of a, a bit of a struggle but it wasn't you know your life expectancy was fine and food you know finding food was easy um i think your your struggle disappears in that scenario as well yeah, uh, I, I, I wonder to what degree this sort of dissatisfaction with modern life is a, mo- a modern phenomenon. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably relative. I think I'm sure, you know, when uh, anyway, sort of really, where, where do you start modernity? Where does modernity start? But so I can imagine, you know, our grandparents probably thought life and the universe was getting a bit complicated when electrical appliances were commonplace and washing machines were there. It's like, oh, what? you know, it wasn't it a simpler time when we just did our own washing and we didn't have to get repairman in to fix the washing machine and yada yada, oh, pay the bills and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine, you know, by extension, going way back to like when the horse and carts were started appearing and roads or, you know, tracks between settlements and things, people go, oh, get it. it's really getting really complicated because now I've just met a third, <laughs> a third new person from a whole new village I've never heard about. And it's just really, I'm getting really confused. Um, like you can imagine, it's like, where does it start? Where does, well, like, where well, does I think there is an answer, which is, which yeah. is that for, for almost all of human history, technological progress has been imperceptible and your, the life of, of, you know, your life has probably been, you know, almost exactly the same as the life that your parents had. And, um, although GDP and technology has grown, um, it grew by in, in a, in a way that would have been more or less imperceptible to it within the lifetime of any individual until, you know, the more or less the sort of agricultural revolution, um, 
so and, and and then you know people are seeing social changes in their lifetimes you know you take the the 19th century where you know you went essentially britain went from an, an essentially agrarian society uh, in 1800 to an essentially you know urban one by 1900 um incredibly rapidly uh I, so, so I think I think it is it is possible to point at that kind of development of 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 sort of rapid technological change within the lifetime of an individual as being a relatively new phenomenon. Um, we need to move towards wrapping up, um, Chris. You yeah. look like you've got something to say. Yeah, well, I was just I was just going to say in terms of um, practicalities, uh, you know. What, what's going what's going to be achieved right so if um if you look at societies where technology has gone has gone backwards right it's fairly r rare you know for, for that to happen but if you look at things like um uh medieval europe and the dark the dark ages you know named the dark ages after the sort of fall of uh, fall of rome and so on and uh a deletion of um, knowledge and, and and technology, and if you look at other things like you know the the um, technological and societal atrophy in in uh, in China, you know through the sort of latter half of the uh, of the last um, millennium, um, and you 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 kind of think about what happens under those circumstances, right? And it's it's usually what happens is something comes along that is better, that is more technologically advanced and replaces it. You look at um, indigenous people who existed outside of uh, the spheres of, of um, European technology and, and society and what happened to them when the Europeans turned up. Uh, they were effectively replaced by something that was more technologically um advanced and so i think you know let's say let's say western society or or even you know um globalization uh, you know across large parts of the uh, of the earth try to um become more primitive somewhere there will be there's a competitive force driving what we what we're doing why why are we doing this it's it's to gain competitive advantage and so i think us taking a step back is all you know very very nice but at some point, something else will replace it quite ruthlessly. And that will be, you know, um, uh, our, to our um, uh, cost. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the fundamental problem that modernity, the seeds of modernity are in the Paleolithic person, you know, because we, although we, you know, there is the, we want the end results of health and happiness, right? But at the same time, um, we have evolved to want to remove effort from our lives. We've evolved the ability to create tools to make life easier. You know, you first you invent a stick, then you invent a bow. And all of this involves making, doing, putting slightly less effort in to get your food. And before you know it, you're farming because it's just it seems easier. Right. And, and I and I, I think that's that's the problem. We've, we've evolved a set of desires in in an evolutionary environment, which imposes a bunch of constraints on us. But eventually we we get so, we're so good at problem solving that we get rid of those constraints you know and that's when when sort of near starvation is replaced with obesity and heart disease but we cannot undo that that inherent desire we have to solve those problems to kind of fight against those constraints and and i don't know it sort of feels to me like imagine 
imagine if plants uh, could, could could invent technologies, right? Plants would probably think to themselves, you know, what's great is light. Nighttime, that's boring. Let's just let's just create loads and loads of lights and let's turn them up. And and that's probably bad for plants. But you can see how plants would do that. Or moths, you know, moths seem to like light bulbs, don't they? But um, you know, if moths could invent things, they'd probably invent loads of light bulbs and then they'd crash into them and die. It feels a bit like that, you know, that we're kind of inventing the technologies which remove the constraints we don't like. But the problem is that that life beyond those constraints isn't what we thought it would be. Yeah. Chris? Um, I think there's two two things there. The first is that, um, you know, where we sort of develop technologies that actually move, make us less safe or, or less happy. So, you know, you, you look at um, things like um, nuclear weapons, right? Nuclear weapons were, were developed as part of this competitive desire, but they obviously make us, make us less, uh, well, they they potentially bring us closer to to, to mass you know ex- extinction, um, and you know the same thing could be said of of like you know biological weapons for example, and uh, you know um, the development of, of viruses for for uh, um, you know weaponized purposes. Uh, so yeah, there's 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 times where we develop technologies to um, that basically make us less uh, yeah less safe. And then there, there's also the issue of the fact that I don't think we've ever been in stasis, right? When when we were Paleolithic people, you look at flint napping technologies, right? And you look at something from early Paleolithic and later, you know, sort of, um, well, I mean, the Paleolithic period itself is obviously broken into um, uh, into, into periods and, and the, you know, the Neolithic period. And they, they do refine what it is they're doing uh, in terms of the flint tools they're making. So yes, they're, they're not vastly different, but they are different and they are better. And then you get things like, um, instead of agriculture, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of uh, sort of deliberate use of fire to create environments for, um, you know, uh, livestock, well, not livestock at the time, but wild animals to, to graze in and also the cultivation of of um, plants and so on that wasn't mass farming, but was on that trajectory. All that's happened is we speeded up. So there was no mythical period of stasis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we really do need to stop shortly. Peter, is there anything you want to add at this point? Uh, no, well, just a shout to something that I fairly recently discovered. Uh, the, the, the way that helps you frame history in a more kind of linear sense Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 it's called the Holocene calendar. Basically, you take the current year and you add 10,000 years because it, it, it sets year zero at the time when humans started the, the, this acceleration, this sort of when we started moving into the really becoming distinct, distinct species from the rest of the animals, when we started doing agriculture, we started cultivating things. Uh, first proposed by an uh, academic called Caesar Emiliani. Um, it is it's worth checking out uh checking out because it, it does sort of it helps you it helps you put history in a more sort of sensible time frame and so yes is it currently the year sort of twelve thousand or whatever yes yeah, yeah so it's right. year twelve thousand and twenty um uh and you can and if you're looking looking at that looking at history through that lens you see that yes we did we we progress was agonizingly slow for much of the time and it's only in the last few hundred years that it's really kind of accelerated well the last thousand years or so it's really accelerated um so yeah I mean, and may, maybe maybe that's right maybe it's the rate of changes got too great and 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 actually with the the this disquiet we have with with modern life is because of the rate of change rather than the, the amount of change um okay all right so just to finish 
things off. Um, which aspect of modern life would you mo- most like to return to, Monkey? Yeah, I think I think for me, you know, actually one of the drivers for leaving the civil service and setting my own company up was this sense that there was something so artificial about the the set workday. And and that, you know, it's it, it, we should just be working when we feel productive and sort of sleeping or doing something else when we're not feeling productive. I, I feel like that would be the thing I'd like. I'd like to see now that it's very and it's very, very hard right, for, a, for a company to go. Well, here's your contract. You've got to kind of do an average of eight hours a day, but you can do it whenever you like. It's very, very hard to do that. That's one of the problems with, you know, industrial organization is is getting people. So, but I think that's the, that's the thing that would, that makes the most impact on me. I think, you know, when I'm on holiday, it's that ability to just sort of, you know, do your own thing and live in the present um, rather than be thinking all the time about what time it is. And, you know, I think so, yeah, that that's it's the sort of the, the, the daily grind, I think, will be the thing I'd I'd embrace. So, right. Monkey so, like the that. daily struck because I, I got distracted, and, and I won't edit this out because apologies, listeners, because Peter was sneezing all over the place. Um, yeah. But you 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 said that. Um, so is that structure of a day, that kind of thing, this, the you way you structured out here of there being a time at which things happen. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Right. Right on. Uh, Chris, uh, I think I, I would just love to experience not not for uh, not permanently, but for a period of time, the um, the earth with, you know, a few thousand people on it. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that 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 sense of vastness, emptiness uh, would would be uh, and also the complete lack of a safety net you know that there's no hospital to come and pick you up and i think that would be an incredibly exhilarating uh experience so so far we've got nick saying let's get rid of time chris saying albeit briefly uh let's get rid of people for a bit yeah peter yeah like chris i'm not i'm not completely convinced that i'd like it any better than i like now but so yeah i'd like i'd like to try sort of a six month kind of sabbatical uh going back to maybe a sort of medieval kind of village i'd like i'd like to be the blacksmith or the engineer in the village sort of solving problems living day by day hand to mouth kind of just you know fixing things that are kind of visceral and you know literally earthy problems banging things um, with banging things tech. digging yeah. things you know for so- digging irrigation channels that and you know, just generally sort of solving very physical problems that are here and there and i can have feel a direct benefit from once i've completed yeah. it yeah i think it's that direct thing actually we, we we didn't really talk about that i think that's one of the things that sometimes feel is missing that direct sort of um seeing the fruits of our labors yeah, almost, so alienation yeah. as mark's yeah it. yeah yeah i don't really have anything other than to say just before we um, started recording this i was run, wandering around the house shouting where are my glasses where are my glasses and of course my glasses were just right here on the top of my head like this and um, I, I think that sort of maybe illustrates why I just struggle with modern life and even just glasses, just a, a, a kind of bit too much of a technology leap for me. Yeah. It'd be much better if you just couldn't see Fraser, as, as would have been the case in the uh, uh, in the Stone Age. Yeah, and that's it. And so I would not have fit my environment. And so that would be, be gone, but not holding back the tribe. As the technology optimist, I think the only answer is more glasses. If you just had glasses everywhere in your house and everywhere you put your hand, you land they landed on some glasses, there wouldn't be a problem anymore. Like Henry VIII, who had eight, 80 pairs of glasses, apparently. 
Oh, really? You'd yeah. be deprived of that struggle to find yeah. your houses and then to that feeling <laughs> um, of happiness when you find yeah. them. Yeah, just like I'd slaughtered my um, a mammoth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We'll stop there. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Peter Cockhill, Nick Hare, and Chris Rag of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.